Philippians chapter 1, and uh, we'd like to begin reading with verse number 20. Philippians 1, that is page 1258 if you have a Schofield Bible. Philippians 1 and verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you, with you all, for your furtherance and joy of faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for the Word of God and for another opportunity that we have to preach your Word. Lord, I realize that uh, without you I'm nothing but flesh and bone. And, oh God, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me added strength in this body. I pray, God, for wisdom and power and, and that you be honored in the service. Speak to my heart and the hearts of each one that's gathered this way. Minister to each need in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you today on the other side of death. You know, death has two sides, and, and uh, we think of this side as, as something that we dread and, and uh, not a very pleasant thought. As one man said, it's not death that bothers me, it's the dying. And I think I understand what he's talking about, the sickness and the pain and a lot of the other problems that accompany leaving this world. But for the child of God, death is nothing to be feared as far as what's on the other side. And I'm glad there is uh, another side uh, of death. You know, this question uh, has concerned man from the very beginning. From the time that uh, the death sentence was brought upon man there in the Garden of Eden, uh, God said in the day, Thy eatest thereof, thy shalt surely die. Uh, well, people say, why didn't Adam die? God said he was going to die. Did he die? And we know he died uh, spiritually, but that was corrected. And, uh, the reason Adam didn't die was because of Genesis 3.15. God promised someone was going to die in his place. That's the reason we don't die. Uh, eternally, and there's a great, uh, great truth in that. But from the beginning, man has considered this question. Job, which is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible, in Job 14 and verse 14, said, "If a man die, shall he live again?" Uh, that question: Is there anything beyond death? Is there another side of death? Is that the end of it? Books have been written on the subject. Uh, a lady showed me a book one time. Uh, I can't remember the author, but it, it told about near-death experiences and, and those that have 
uh, had uh, died, supposedly. Their hearts had stopped for a period of time, and, and then they came back to life. And, and they talk about going through a dark tunnel and seeing a light at the end of it. And it didn't seem to make any difference where a person was a believer or a non-believer. They all seemed to have the basic same experience. Well, I want to say to you, those people didn't die. They might have thought they were dead, but death isn't like that. And uh, there's no dark tunnels to go through and, and none of that to experience if you're a child of God. And we'll see that as we get in the message. But uh, uh, Job there said, If a man die, shall he live again? And God gives him the answer. And, uh, he, he said that, I know my Redeemer liveth. He'll stand the latter day upon this earth and though after my skin worms are sore this flesh or this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He, Believed in a resurrection. He believed there was another, another day and a better life. Uh, Paul here had a unique experience of, uh, of dying and coming back. Paul did die. He didn't nearly die. He died. Uh, the Bible said there, Lystrus, Lystra, he was stolen and dragged out of the city for dead. I believe he was dead. And uh, he go, went to heaven, looked it over, and uh, uh, God sent him back, and he writes about it here. And he said, uh, the important thing is that Christ be magnified in my body. He said, the only thing really matters to me is that I live for God, and God get glory out of my life. Uh, he said, uh, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What a statement, and that's the only, the only way life makes any sense. And he says in verse 22, if I live in the flesh. He didn't say, uh, you know, the body uh, was his life. If I live in, I in, if I live in the flesh. We live in a body. The body is their earthly house, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The body is not us, it's just a house we live in. And he said, I have a desire to be with Christ, which is far better. Not just better, but he said it's far better. And I'm glad that the other side of death, there is life. Death does not, uh, the, the soul and the spirit is not affected by death when death affects the body. There is life, and may I say there is Conscious life. Conscience uh, life. Uh, in Luke 16, the Bible said there that Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Uh, these, uh, these were real characters, that uh, real people. Lazarus was a real person. Abraham was a, a real person. Much of the Old Testament is taken up with the life of Abraham and yet we have Abraham there conversing with the rich man and talking, and was certainly there was conscious life. And I'm glad there is, uh, uh, beyond this life, beyond the grave, uh, there is conscious life. There in Matthew chapter 17, when the Lord Jesus uh, takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain and is transfigured before them, and the Bible said there appears Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus about his, uh, his coming death. Now, Moses had been dead about 1,500 years before. 
Elijah had been raptured about 900 years. Think of that. 1,500 years he had died, and now he's carrying on a conversation with Jesus Christ. You say, oh, but that was a spiritual thing. Well, Peter, uh, you know, Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter recognized them. How do you know who they were? Well, many questions, aren't there? Uh, God had to certainly give him that knowledge. I, I think there's some insight there and, uh, you know, into what heaven will be like. I had a lady tell me one time, says, uh, when we get to heaven, we won't know anybody. Uh, I said, well, I don't think I'll have any less sense there than I have now. Uh, certainly we'll know. Uh, she said, I won't know that my husband was my husband and, and I won't know my children. Well, what kind of heaven would that be like? I don't know what she was basing that on. Uh, I, the fact that this Bible said we're not married or given in marriage, but that don't mean that we won't know one another and know as we were known. And, and so we'll have perfect knowledge. I, not only will we recognize one another in heaven that we knew, but I believe when I see when I see Paul and when I see Peter and John and these people, I'll know them. That's a, a blessed truth, isn't it? So uh, there, uh, there was conscious life. There was Moses and Elijah. So there is life beyond the grave. And uh, in Revelation chapter 6, uh, he writes about those that are martyred in the tribulation in Revelation 6 and verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw one of the altar, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, hold in truth, as thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. It was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, uh, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now here we have people that are martyred, people that are, uh, have white robes and yet they don't have their bodies. Now this tells me that uh, uh, the soul uh, has, uh, has the form of the body, has the appearance of the body, has all the senses of the body. And that's quite amazing uh, there. Uh, when we consider it. So it is conscious life. It is life that uh, is recognizable. Again, Peter recognizes uh, Moses and Elijah. The rich man recognizes Abraham. And there is a conscious, recognizable life for the saved. And then for the sinner, there's conscious death. By the way, there's no such thing as unconscious death. There is no such thing as, as uh, uh, resting in the, uh, in the grave, uh, soul resting in the grave, soul sleep, and, and uh, uh, a state of unconsciousness. I had a fellow... I used to work with some fellows and we got into a discussion on this one day and, and they said, uh, 
They said it's, uh, it's, just like, uh, it's just like when you go to sleep. You know, you lay down, you go to sleep, and, and uh, uh, then you, you wake up and you don't realize that you've been asleep for seven or eight hours or ever how long you've slept. And said that's the way it is when you die, that, that you just go to sleep and you don't realize uh, hundreds or thousands of years that have passed and then the Lord comes and, and you get up and you think, I just, uh, just been to sleep. Well, that's true as far as the body's concerned, but that's all. It's not true as far as the soul's concerned because the Bible does not teach soul sleep. Nowhere in the Word of God. I had a, a funeral with a fellow pre preacher one time and he talked about soul sleep and, and uh, that the body would, uh, would rest or the soul would rest in the grave until the great resurrection. And most of those people believe in a general resurrection and, and salvation of works and and he believes that, and he went on to say it's going to take all you can just, all you can muster up. Never will forget that phrase. Take all you can muster up just to get to heaven. Well, he is trying to work his way to heaven, but I want to tell you something. You can't, you can't do enough to get there. You can't be good enough, and you can't do enough good works to earn heaven. Heaven is, is by grace. Salvation is a gift, the Bible teaches. It's not earned, not deserved. So it's conscious death. In John 3, 36, He that believeth on, the, on the, the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The sinner is already dead spiritually and will suffer eternal death. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell in torments. He was conscious in hell there. So... There is uh, life for the saved. Is this thing, you know, I can't preach in and I can't hear if there's interference. Is there interference coming through this? Anybody hearing? Seems like I'm hearing something. Maybe I'm hearing something else. <laughs> a roaring in my head or whatever. Okay, uh, not only is there life, but may I say there's Jesus uh, on the other side of death. Uh, Stephen there testifies in Acts chapter 7. And he said, uh, uh, as they're stoning you to death, I see heaven opening, Jesus standing. I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And in Philippians here, in our text, uh, Paul said, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And so, for the child of God... Uh, to, uh, to die is to be with Christ. And he said it's far better. You know, a phrase that we use often when someone dies, we say, well, they're better off. And when we think, we think that maybe they had cancer or maybe they had some other problem and, and their bodies had deteriorated and they were suffering and sick and all this. And, and uh, we think, well, they're better off. And uh, most any condition would probably be better off uh, than that. But you know, if you, think of the, if you think of the most wonderful day that you've ever enjoyed in your whole life and how wonderful it was and how great it was, heaven's better than that. It's a beautiful time of year. I was up visiting my dad and sister uh, this week and, 
And uh, as you go through Bakersville there, up in Mitchell County, and, uh, you know, he lives up Cane Creek. And turn up Cane Creek. Uh, there was a maple tree there. It, it made, you know, such an impression I've never seen. I don't think in my life a tree is beautiful. I mean, it was absolutely out of this world. I, I thought, uh, you know, of all the times when you need a camera and you don't have one. And uh, I'm not a person that carries a camera around, but it was so beautiful. And it's a beautiful time of the year. A lot of people are visiting the mountains and looking at the leaves. I grew up in the mountains and, and uh, you know, I was, I was grown and moved out of the mountains before I knew what it was all about. <laughs> when you're around it all the time, you, I guess you got used to it. But, but it was so beautiful. But you know, heaven's more wonderful than that. I thought, my, if, if, uh, if something could be that beautiful with a curse upon it, wonder what it was like before sin touched it. I wonder what heaven's like and the beauty and the joy of heaven. Well, Paul said it's not just better, but he said it's far better. <laughs> I like that, uh, uh, those words. He said it's not just, if he said it's better, that'd have been, he says better than any, anything I've ever seen. <laughs> Anywhere I've ever been, but he says it's far better. It's far better than this world. Now, he got to go and come back, and you know something? He wanted to die. So he had already died, and, and uh, you know, there was nothing about death there that, uh, that bothered him. And when he saw heaven, he was so impressed and so overwhelmed by it that uh, he wanted to go. He said, the only reason, the only reason that I'm on earth, the only possible reason I'd want to stay here is for you. And he said, heaven is so much greater than earth. He said, that's the only thing that keeps me here is your benefit. He said, there's nothing else. I mean, the things that, the things that might interest us, uh, the things people live for, the material things that people are interested in, uh, you know, I think in comparison, it looks like the slums of a major city compared to what heaven's like. And he was not interested in any of these things, in the gold, the silver, or or the land, or the houses, or any of the things of this world. Hell, no interest for him whatsoever. He said, to live is Christ. And the only reason I'd want to stay is for your benefit. Second Corinthians 5, 8 said, to be absent for the body is to be present with the Lord. What a great truth. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, paradise wasn't always uh, in uh, the third heaven. Uh, used to be in the heart of the earth. You say, uh, how do you know that? Well, Jesus told the thief on the cross, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You say, well, how, what's that got to do with paradise being in the heart of the earth? Well, he had already said, as Jonas was three days and three nights in the bed of the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's not talking about his body. He's talking uh, about his soul. 
and uh, paradise was in the heart of the earth, but uh, when he arose from the dead, he moved it to the third heaven. Now, so the other side of death is, uh, is conscious life. The other side of death is to be with Jesus. But for the sinner is judgment. It's an awful hell, an awful judgment of God. Proverbs 14, 32 said, The righteous hath hope in his death. And then the other side of death is heaven for the saved. Uh, in Luke 23, 43, the scripture I gave you there today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now people talk about when they go to heaven, they uh, uh, walk in the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl and talking about the new Jerusalem. Listen, when you die and go to heaven, you don't go to the new Jerusalem. You go to paradise and Oh, it's out of this world, <laughs> you know. You say, well, what's it? Is it a cabin in the corner of glory land? No, I'm afraid not. It's, it's great beyond description, but it is not the new Jerusalem. In fact, we don't, enter, we don't enter the new Jerusalem until this earth and heavens are, are burned up and destroyed and God creates a new heaven and a new earth and he said, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. And this becomes our eternal home. And so uh, there is paradise. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter number 12. And uh, we'd like to look at a few verses there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Page 1238, and he said in verse 1, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. He tells the time, and he's speaking about himself here. Notice what he says. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one called up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now notice what he said. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. God won't uh, let me tell about it. He's, he's explaining death. That death for the child of God. Paul had this experience. He dies. He goes to paradise, which there he says in, is in the third heaven because uh, verse 2 said he was called up to the third heaven. Verse 4 said he was called up into paradise. So no paradise is in the third heaven in the presence of the Lord. And he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, and he reveals to us that when you die, you don't even miss your body. In fact, you, you for all practical aspects, you probably don't even realize you're out of your body. Now, people talk about all these mystical experiences. I know Carl Woodbury, who, uh, who's been here a number of times, and uh, who we support, uh, evangelist, preached for nine years before he was saved. And, and uh, before he was saved, he... 
uh, he went to, you know, through seminary and all, and, and they thought he was, he was so spiritual. They talked about how, how spiritual he was because he had had all these experiences. He told me about it. He said, I would, I would float out of my body and I'd be up around the ceiling and I'd look down on my body and I'd see my body laying there in the bed. He said, how do you, he said, I don't know how to explain it. I know I experienced it. I don't know how to explain it, but I know it happened. Was that of God? No. Couldn't have been of God. He wasn't even saved. It's mysticism. And as people are trusting such things, you know, and, and uh, all this to get them to heaven. And they're trusting a mystical experience. Listen, you don't get saved. You don't get saved by what you see. You don't get saved by what you feel. Uh, you get saved by faith. You get saved through hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then after you get saved, it feels good to be saved. But uh, uh, that's, that's not, listen, that's not death. When you die, you don't even miss your body. You probably don't even realize you're out of your body. I don't believe. Absent of the body, present of the Lord. You're out of the body, yes. But Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He said, I don't know where I was in my body. I don't know where I was out of my body. I don't know. Well, we know from the other scripture they dragged his body out. He had to be out of it. He didn't realize it. And he said, I was called up to the third heaven. I know that happened. <laughs> now, he didn't go there in his body, did he? The only one that that happened to is Jesus Christ. And uh, so he didn't go in his body. And he said, whether I was in it or out of it, God knows. But I know this. I was called to the third heaven into paradise. And I heard these unspeakable things, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So... For those that are saved, it means to go to heaven. And paradise is the part of heaven that we go to. And it's in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Now the book of Revelation, he describes what it's like in talking to these tribulation saints in Revelation 7 and uh, verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto live in fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And this gives us some insight into uh, the, the life beyond death, the other side of death for the child of God. Now for the sinner, it's a different story altogether. The rich man went to hell. To die without God is to go to hell. In number 16, Moses uh, those that rebelled against him, the earth opens up and they drop into hell. In Matthew 13, 42, he said, Cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 25, 41, Depart from me, accursed, and everlasting fire. Some say, well, the grave is hell. Try to read that into Luke 16. I've had people tell me that's talking about the grave, and they go in, uh, you know, Sheol, the Old Testament uh, uh, word for used for hell, and, and Hades, the Greek word used, uh, used for hell in the New Testament, and they say that means the place of the dead and has the grave because that's where all the dead are, is in the grave. But in Luke 16, the rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. Now put the grave in there, in the grave. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And praise for Lazarus to dip the tip of his spring in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Well, I've had a lot of funerals, and I've, I've never had anyone yet, uh, uh, you know, open their eyes and start talking. Uh, you see, it just won't fit in, will it? And yet it's amazing how many people will, uh, are taken in by, by false doctrine. It seems the sinful mind is so corrupted that it is easier to believe a lie than to believe the truth. And I never cease to be amazed at what people will believe. Seems to me that you could take you could take any kind of message to folks and they'd accept it more readily than they would the truth. Uh, but there is another side of death. And then there is eternal joy for the saved. In Hebrews eleven twenty five, he said Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I'm not going to stand here today and tell you there's not any pleasure in sin. If there was no pleasure in sin, then why is it so popular? The Bible doesn't say there, there's no pleasure in sin, but he said there's pleasure in sin for a season. And when a person decides they're going to follow sin, they need to count the cost. Sure, sin's enjoyable. But it's temporary. It's temporary. That's why the liquor business and the beer and wine business prosper so. It offers a temporary good feeling. People temporarily forget their problems, problems with his wife, and so he goes and gets drunk. Now he's got more problems with his wife. Drinking has never solved anybody's problem. It only adds to the problem. But it offers temporary pleasure. Never fixed anything, only adds to and people have to keep going back to it and back to it and back to it, and they want you to come back. And you know why, you know, you know the motivation behind it? It's money. That's what keeps them in business, is money. Prospering on other people's, uh, you know, uh, sinful nature. So there's pleasure in sin for a season, and Moses considered that. He considered all that Egypt could offer him, all the women, all the wine, all the money, all the pleasure, all the good times. And if the average person would have looked at Moses, 
They said, Moses, man, you're throwing it all away. All this, all this education, all this opportunity, all this good times, all the fame of Egypt. Man, don't blow it. Don't waste your life. Here is, here's your opportunity. Now, that was a very difficult choice for Moses. He chose rather to suffer affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt because the Bible said he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know our problem today? We can't, we, we can't see into eternity. I believe every decision ought to be made in light of eternity. The pleasures of sin for a season. But in Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> now to me, that's a better deal. You want to have fun for a while? You want to have fun forever? Now God didn't against you having fun. You don't have to sin to have fun. You don't have to sin to have a good time. The book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes his boys and he tells them, you know, in chapter 11, he said, rejoice and enjoy your youth and have a good time and have fun. But just remember while you're having your fun that you've got to meet God and give an account of every deed. Don't forget that. There's pleasures forevermore. In Luke 16, Lazarus is comforted in Revelation 14, 13, he said, Blessed are the dead. Think of that. Blessed are the dead. Happier are the dead. How can they be happy if they're in the grave? Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Conscious. Blessed. God said they're happy. They're happy. They're really alive. But for the unsaved, not only not, there's no eternal joy, but there's eternal torment. Hell is a place of torment, beyond pain to the point of torment. In Luke 16, it didn't say the rich man was going to be tormented. In verse 23, the Bible said the rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. He said, I'm not going to be tormented. I'm in torments. He was in torment. You know, old folks used to describe hell as going to torment. I don't want to go to torment. Well, they had it right. But you know, we've, uh, we've entered a day now when, uh, you know, hell's kind of a byword. I want to tell you, hell is no joke. Hell is awful. People that die without Christ will go to hell. In verse 24, he said, I'm tormented in this flame. Real fire there. And in verse 25, he said, Thou art, uh, thou art tormented. Abraham talking to him and said, He's comforted, and thou art tormented. In verse 28, he says, His brothers ask that they not come unto this place of torment. In Revelation 14, he said they'll be tormented with fire and brimstone and they have no rest day nor night. 
They say the fire causes the greatest pain known to man. I don't like to get burned, do you? One thing about if you get burned, it's, it's kind of like mashing your finger, shutting up your finger in a door. And that fingernail kind of uh, stops the release of the pressure of the blood and it just throbs. Every time your heart beat, it just throbs. And when you get burned, it just seems like it just keeps burning, just like the fire is still in there. That's what hell's like, except 10,000 times worse. He said, I'm tormented in this flame. You know, we as Christians, we, we need to be awakened to the awfulness of hell. We sit today in a comfortable building, cushioned pews, carpeted floor, and you know, if it's too cold, we turn the heat on get a little warm so I changed it to air a little bit ago and turn the air on try to make you comfortable and uh, you know we've got to be petted and pampered and nothing wrong with being comfortable but sometimes we we lose the reality of eternity we've lost our sense of the torment of hell hell is an awful place where people burn Scream forever. God awakened me recently. And uh, really spoke to me about this matter of hell. You know, the Bible said it is a furnace of fire. In Matthew 13, 42, K said he'll cast them into a furnace of fire. You ever been around a furnace? In my mind, I could, I could visualize, and in my mind, I could hear the roar of the furnace. Have you ever heard, have you ever seen a furnace and it's so hot and there's a, the fire is burning so fiercely and consuming so much, so much energy? There's just that roar. Fire. I know Greg there has asphalt plan and go over there and look at it. It'll give you a visual idea. I forget how many gallons of fuel it consumes a minute, but that all that fuel rushing in there. It's just a, a roar, roar in the roar of the fire. That's what hell is, folks. It's a furnace of fire that lies on the other side of death for the sinner. And that rich man without a body has eyes, has ears, has a mouth, has feeling, has all of his senses. He can feel the fire burning him. No body soul has the form of the body, the appearance of the body, all the senses of the body, and his soul is being tormented in that furnace, that roaring, raging furnace of fire. 
You know, it's hard for me to comprehend that. Hail is down under the... They say if you drill 11 miles in the earth, it'll melt anything you put in it. Hail is right under our feet this morning, somewhere down there. You wonder how it can... how it can burn without oxygen. All these things come to mind, but, you know, that's no problem with God. You don't believe there's a fire going on in this earth? Look at the volcanoes. Where's that come from? The chimneys of hell roaring that hot lava molten liquid out of there. For the sinner, the other side of death, I don't care how they may be screaming in awful pain, the family may be around and saying, oh my, surely death can't be this bad. Surely there's something better. But I want to tell you, I don't care what a person goes through in this world. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, as bad as hell. But for you that are saved, it's the most wonderful, blessed experience you could ever imagine. That's by our heads.